The following program is being brought to you on the Voice America Sports Channel. For more information about our network and to check our additional show hosts and topics of interest, please visit voiceamericasports.com. The Voice America Talk Radio Network is the worldwide leader in live Internet talk radio. Visit voiceamerica.com. The views and ideas expressed on the following program are strictly those of the host or guests and do not necessarily reflect the views and ideas held by the Voice America Talk Radio Network, its staff, and management. Welcome to Outside the Huddle, featuring your host, Lemont Williams, with John Inglesby. This program is a great resource for players making career transitions, as well as a place to discuss this week's top sports stories. Now, here are your hosts, Lemont Williams and John Inglesby. Sports America, welcome back to another week of Outside the Huddle on the Voice America Sports Network. I'm Lee Mott Williams, and my co-host is John Inglesby. And to join the show, the contact information is 1-888-346-9144, or you can email us at Sports at yahoo.com. John, how's it going up there in Boston? Very well, Lee Mott. Uh, we're still wrap, uh, in the midst of a heat wave, but it's basically finally rained today, so it might cool it off a little bit. How are you doing in Houston? Uh, well, we have heat dry all week this week. Uh, no rain like we had last week. We had a little bit of that uh, side effect or the dirty side of the storm that hit Alex that hit uh, northern Mexico. But uh, I'm a little bummed today. Uh, got access and, and credentials to the ESPYs. I know I mentioned it to you off air as well as on air a couple of shows before. But ESPYs uh, is, is kicking kicking tonight in L.A. And unfortunately, I, I waited too late to kind of book my ticket and, and get out there. But uh, uh, I'm not kind of. Con- I'm a little concerned, but not worried because next year I'll, I'll be there at the prom. So uh, a little bummed there, but uh, well, I'm, I'm, I'm with I'm you. I've uh, I'm watching tonight as well, and uh, I've been to two ESPY awards uh, four or five years ago. Two years in a row, I went, and it is really spectacular, and uh, it's a great way to spend the worst sports night of the year when there's nothing on TV. Yeah, and again, I'll be there. I mean, once you're in the system, you're in the system. So I'll be there next year. So uh, let's go ahead and get started with the show because I'm happy to be on the air with you. So let's go ahead and get our show started tonight. And today's show, John and I will talk about the LeBron James saga slash drama from last Thursday ongoing to this week. We'll go around the NFL and talk about this week's headlines slash storylines from this week and the previous week. Invite Dave Gorin to the the executive director of National Sportscasters and Sports Writers Association to the show. We'll discuss the 2010 NBA Major League Baseball All-Star break from yesterday. But first, John, let's talk about a great owner that passed away this week, Mr. George, the ball Steinbrenner uh, from the uh, New York Yankees that died, passed away Tuesday morning. Uh, George Steinbrenner celebrated his 80th birthday on July 4th and died from a massive heart attack Tuesday morning in Tampa, Florida. John, where can I start here? John, uh, how big how big was this death uh, uh, for the game of baseball and the history of the Major League? 
Well, life will now be a lot less interesting for any fan of sports, period. And if you're a fan of baseball or the Yankees, certainly the Red Sox, you know, the last three or four years when George has, when we've seen less and less of George, uh, yeah, you know, it, it just hasn't been as interesting or as much fun, quite frankly. Uh, you know, he, he was a guy that, of course, people in Boston love to hate, but, uh, you know, the tributes have been pouring in. And he was a titan by any standard. Uh, he, he truly lived up to his name, the boss, which was just perfect. And, uh, again, he, he will be missed, and there won't be another like him. I right, definitely will be missed. He meant so much to the game of baseball. He purchased, if I, my memory stands me correct, he purchased the team, the New York Yankees, way before I was born in 1973 when there was pretty much uh, at the bottom of the barrel, and, and it was owned by CBS, and he and he breathed life back into that organization. And he's he's pretty much, you know, I'm a football guy, so if I can compare him to somebody, he's pretty much like a Jerry Jones, or he was a guy like Jerry Jones, or Jerry Jones uh, imitated his style as well as Mark Cuban in the NBA, more of the outspoken, hands-on type of owners. But uh, George, uh, the ball Steinbrenner was was the man in Major League Baseball kind of changed the whole mindset of how the free agent market um, kind of went the last 10, 20 years. I mean, he was able to bring in big-time players, big-time managers. Uh, again, you cover the Boston Red Sox, so you pretty much are a nemesis or your arch-rival up there. But for the most part, uh, one thing I remember George said a long time ago, uh, I heard him say, he said, anything outside of winning is unacceptable. And right there as a young kid, that kind of stood out to me. He's like, hey, this guy do whatever it takes to win. And I think he also said a quote I heard him say one time, breathing his first and winning the second in this book. So, uh, And he proved it on the field as well as in the owner's uh, box. He was able to do whatever it takes to win. Correct, Lemont. And, uh, you know, again, just a fascinating guy, truly a, a legend in his own time. And uh, I always found it interesting. You know, he grew up in Ohio, and he lived in Tampa. He never, yeah. ever lived in New York at any point in his life and he was just uh you know bigger than life in all ways and he you know he being from ohio of course he brought the uh the football mentality to baseball which yeah was yeah. you win every game and that means spring training and you know there was never any let up and uh you know again the stories are just endless from Seinfeld to what it was like to work for him to firing and hiring Billy Martin five times uh, yeah. just goes on and on but at the end of the day he won you know seven world titles mm -hmm. and that's what it's all about so yeah he definitely truly truly be missed by his friends fans and family so our hearts go and memory goes out to George Steinbrenner the boss New York New York Yankees owner passed away this past weekend I mean this past Tuesday died at the age of 80. Let's go ahead and move forward and talk about some other baseball news from this week, John. Let's talk about the 2010 Major League All-Star Game uh, from last night. The NL snapped the 13-game winless streak in the All-Star Game, winning their first game, John, since 1996. Man, that's a long time ago. But uh, Brian McCain, I mean, McCann won the uh, MVP award, giving him, making him the first Brave, Atlanta Braves, to win this since 1994. John, uh, how would you how would you grade last night All Star game? Well, it was different than what we're used to seeing. Uh, I think this, it once and for all has established that this so far is the year of the pitcher. 
you have to say that at least with at, at the midway point of this season uh you know pitching utterly dominated the mvp got one hit knocked in you know the necessary runs to win the game and, and that earned him the mvp uh you know, again, remarkably well-pitched game, reflective of, you know, the, the no-hitters and the perfect games that have been thrown in the early in the first half of this season. And, again, when you think All-Star game, I, I think in recent years, you, you, you certainly think home runs and offense, not uh, not pitching and defense. Yeah, it was definitely a tight game uh, all the way up to the end. Low-scoring game as well, but I uh, was very impressed uh, in, the, in the ninth inning. I thought the AL was going to pull it off. David Ortiz had that leadoff single uh, and started up the ninth inning. He kind of set that drama off there, but uh, but they end up losing the game to the NL. And, and let's tip our hats off to those guys. Those guys, you know, 13 game uh, losing streak. That's that's a lot of games in the All Star break. So uh, now that the NL won the game, uh, they will have home field advantage when the World Series come around this October. So it was a great opportunity to watch some good baseball. On a slow night or a slow week of sports, so uh, I'm, I'm kind of excited about that. And speaking of David Ortiz, let's talk about the home run derby. Uh, big Poppy had a big swing, John, uh, this past Monday night. His swing was, was was pretty much back, and he finished with 11 homers in the final round. Uh, John, you cover the Red Sox for a while, and you have season tickets. Uh, so what does you know what does it mean for Big Poppy to win that home run trophy? Before we get into that, let me just wrap up. Uh, the the all my all star game comment by saying that you know if David Ortiz ever got thrown out on that play that basically ended the game in like mm-hmm. a real Red Sox game like in a critical September game or for instance a playoff or a World Series game yeah it would go down in infamy uh, up here in Red Sox Nation and it, and it would be in the Red Sox Hall of Shame so I'm glad if it was going to happen it happened in an all star game because mm-hmm. it was really uh, Hard to believe, even you know. The, granted, it was a wonderful defensive play, but uh, you know, it, it was a unique way for the American League rally to end. But that said, uh, Big Poppy's on top of the world uh, with you know the home run derby, and you know he, he just had that that pop back. No pun intended. Uh, he, he was cranking. I was watching, and he was. Uh, you know, he was just hitting moonshots out there. Reminded me a lot of 04, 05, 06. And, uh, yeah, he yeah, had we'll, we'll see. Night. He was able to hit 11 homers. Hopefully he can take that momentum back to Boston when you guys, uh, when they resume play here shortly. But uh, another another thing about David Ortiz was the post-interview with Aaron, uh, Aaron Andrews from ESPN. Uh, Ortiz stated that he wanted an extension, not a one-year contract. John, uh, the Red Sox hold, I think, somewhere about $12.5 million. Uh, contract on Ortiz for 2011. Uh, how would you see this play, uh, this situation playing out, uh, in your opinion? Well, you know, I, I still think it remains to be seen, Lemont. Uh, you know, just for perspective, it was only a mere two months ago that David Ortiz was playing horribly, and a large part of, you know, Red Sox Nation was calling for the Red Sox to simply cut him, pay him, not just get him off the team. Wow. And I, I'm talking April and early May, so not that far, not that long ago. And so, you know, it just shows how the, the ups and downs of a season. And, you know, obviously he chose the moment of, you know, you, you know the, the high point of 2010 for, 
you know, just winning the home run derby and in, in many ways, uh, symbolically, you know, being back on top of, you know, the world like he hasn't been really since, you know, 2004 playoffs. And, uh, you know, I, I can't really blame him. He, he just chose that moment uh, when he was riding high to, you know, put that topic right on the table for the yeah. extension when, trust me, they were, you know, people wanted to give him away for free. Yeah, well, definitely a great move. I always took things, look at situations from a business standpoint. That was a great opportunity for him to leverage that situation, yep. being on top from a business standpoint, to kind of talk about his contract. But uh, we definitely will see how that plays out in Boston uh, moving forward here with the season as well as going into the playoffs. But, uh, John, it's time for us to take our first break. So we'll break now, and we'll come back with our first guest for the night, Dave Gordon, the executive director of the National Sportscasters and Sports Writers Association. Next on Outside the Huddle with Lemont Williams and co-host John Inglesby on the Voice America Sports Network. Your internet flagship station for sports, Voice America Sports. The IS Outdoors Talk Radio Show brings two well-known outdoorsmen to the Voice America Network with hunting and fishing info news, talking about everything from new sporting gear, places to hunt and fish, and getting more from your recreation time. Join hosts Brock Ray and Don Kirk Thursday mornings at 7 a.m. Pacific time for IS Outdoors on the Voice America Sports Channel. With their combined experience of 60 years in the woods, Brock and Don have traveled widely, creating TV shows and writing articles on hunting and fishing. Blessed with down-home humor, they are also well-versed in environmental concerns, firearms ownership, and animal rights issues. IS Outdoors offers brisk interaction with the audience, soliciting opinions and questions on a wide range of outdoors subjects. Tune in every Thursday morning at 7 a.m. Pacific time to the IS Outdoors Talk Radio Show with Brock Ray and Don Kirk, right here on the Voice America Sports Channel. Being here with Ariel and Shia Kane is an ordinary person's guide to modern-day enlightenment. This show is an exciting exploration, which opens the door to living in the moment. Don't miss being here. Tune in every Wednesday at 9 a.m. Pacific, 12 noon Eastern, with Ariel and Shia Kane right here on the 7th Wave Network. The opening kickoff is a beauty. It's a From high school to the pros, we, we cover everything. Let your voice be heard. Voice America Sports. You're outside the huddle with Lemont Williams and co-host John Inglesby. Want a piece of today's action? Call into the show right now at 1-888-346-9144. That's 888-346-9144. Or you can drop a line to Sports at yahoo.com. Now, let's get back to the show. Welcome back to Outside the Huddle with Lemont Williams and co-host John Inglesby on the Voice America Sports Network. John, it's that segment where we bring active performer players to the show, but today we've got a special guest. He was able to bring in a real good guy to the show today to bring a different perspective for our listeners. And we have Dave Gorman, 
uh, to the show today, executive director of the National Sportscasters and Sports Writers Association out of North Carolina. So, Dave, uh, welcome to Outside the Huddle. Gentlemen, thank you very much. And actually, I'm not only a former player, I'm a current player. I'm in my, uh, I guess I'll be going to my 12th year playing in the Piedmont Hockey Association here oh, okay. in uh, Winston-Salem, North Carolina. Well, congratulations, and uh, hopefully you, you do some some damage this year on the, uh, I guess it's on the ice. Well, how you pronounce it? Is it ice skating or is it on the rink? Oh, oh it's ice hockey, yeah. Ice I, hockey. I actually do more damage to myself, but that's a different story. <laughs> well, you, John, you must be the head of the uh, Carolina Hurricane Hockey Fan Club, huh? Well, I don't know about that. I mean, as many years as I spent uh, in the media, you learn to be objective. So, uh, But it's a lot of fun, and I happened to be the, uh, in the dressing room after they did win their uh, Stanley Cup back in '06. Mm-hmm. And I would say that was probably one of the highlights of my career. You know, after all the time you, you see teams in the dressing room drinking out of the cup and all the chaos and commotion, and you know, it was certainly uh, you know, probably a once-in-a-lifetime opportunity to be in there when they won. So that was, it was pretty neat stuff. Well, that's about as good as it gets, Dave, uh, you know, drinking out of the Stanley Cup. And, uh, you know, it's interesting because we were just talking about George Steinbrenner and how he brought a football mentality to Boston, and I know that, there was, you know, down with the Hurricanes, there was also a bit of a football mentality with tailgating and whatnot and uh, going to the uh, Hurricanes games. Well, I mean, you, you can do that in North Carolina, you know, most of the year because the weather's so good. So yeah, they, they tried everything. and They, they had some troubles uh, at first. When they first moved from Hartford, they actually moved to Greensboro and played there for two years while their arena was getting ready in Raleigh. But, uh you know, it took a little time to grow it, and certainly uh, being in the Stanley Cup Finals in '02 when they lost to Detroit and then winning it in '06 uh, converted a lot of fans. And as I tell people, anybody who's seen a hockey game in person, if you're not impressed by that, especially with the rules changes in the 05-06 season that opened up the game, then uh, you're probably not a sports fan because it is as exciting as it gets. I totally agree, Dave. Uh... You know, I've had the pleasure to see some Bruins games. My first hockey game was as an adult as well, and uh, nothing like seeing it in person. And just to give some background here to our listeners, uh, Dave and I met uh, about a year ago now up here in Boston. Uh, You were up for a Wake Forest game and had just prior to that, I believe last summer, had taken over as the new executive director of the National Sportscasters and Sports Writers Association, of which I am a member. And so we sat in Boston and, you know, had a great conversation the day before the Boston College Wake Forest uh, football game. And, you know, I know you have some Boston roots, but uh, so we had a lot to talk about. And, you know, we just wanted to ask you to talk about your first year as the executive director. I can say as a member you have done a lot with the organization in a short time. But I'd love to hear you talk about it, Dave. Well, I appreciate that, John. I mean, I, it was funny to me coming out of what I call the quote-unquote creative class. I was a TV sportscaster for 24 years, and they had never had anybody who was in the industry come in to run the organization. Now, my challenge was... I had no business experience or marketing experience, unless you count you know, doing 6 and 11 o'clock sportscasts every day where you're you know, selling what you're putting on the air. But you know, it's been interesting and exciting for me and, and challenging to learn all the things that go into that. 
and I'm learning them by the seat of my pants. And to me, that's a blast. I mean, I'm 50 years old, and it was really a career change, you know, midlife after you know being on television for that long, and I'm having a blast. And you know, there are a lot of things I noticed that could be done, not necessarily better, just differently. And everybody, you know, as the saying goes, there are a number of ways to skin a cat. Uh, you know, the website needed updating. We do our voting for our state and national sportscasters and sports writers of the year and Hall of Famers online now. We started that, um, but it's you know it all goes into the bottom line, which is raising money. That's been very slow, obviously, in this economy. You hear that phrase right. every day about 14 times in this economy, and that's been the biggest <laughs> I hear challenge. It too, believe me. Yeah, that's been the biggest challenge. But my philosophy was let's lay some groundwork. Let's you know, make this organization look like it's in the 21st century, and then you go out and ask for money, but you have to give people a return on their investment, and you know, those are the things that we're trying to define. But you know, our, our mission is to honor sportscasters and sports writers. Uh, we have 85 members, I believe, in our Hall of Fame, starting back with Grantland Rice, who was inducted in 1962, all the way up to John Madden and Peter Gammons, who went in a couple months ago in May, and you know, it's a kick. We had Arnold Palmer here for our banquet in May, uh, Jim Nance, Peter Gammons, Bob Ryan, uh, Marty Brenneman, 35 years as the play-by-play guy for the Cincinnati Reds, mm. uh, Furman Bisher, uh, 91 years old, you know, great writer for the Atlanta Journal-Constitution of the Sporting News, Murray Olderman, who was syndicated in 750 newspapers. He's 88 years old, and he flew all the way in from uh, Palm Desert, California. So, uh, I mean, just legends in the sports media field and just getting to talk to some of those guys for – a short time was a kick for me. Yeah, oh, that's eight. terrific. Uh, wow, well, you described it very well. And, Lemont, um, I'm guessing you might have a question or two for sure. Dave as well. Do, uh, Dave, you're, let's go ahead and reset for the listeners. It's probably just turned into the show. Uh, we're talking with Dave Gorin, the executive director of National Sportscaster and Sports Writers Association. Dave, i got a question. Now, you mentioned on your first couple of months or up to a year as executive director has been challenging. Um, you also mentioned the Hall of Fame, and officially, you know, you guys' Hall of Fame started in 62, and you stated that the first sports writer was Red Smith that was inducted into the Hall of Fame in 1962. I want you to elaborate a little bit more. Talk, talk about how important it is to protect and develop that uh, your your Hall of Fame uh, department or Hall of Fame uh, 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 area as far as moving forward today. Right. Well, that, it was actually Grantland Rice who was inducted by Red Smith in okay, 1962. Okay. Red Smith went in, I think, 12 or 13 years later, but obviously mm-hmm. both of them uh, you know, legendary sports writers. Yeah, definitely. And, and Lemont, you know, it's, I don't think any of us gets into sports media to become famous. Mm-hmm. I mean, I did it because I couldn't hit a curveball. I was too short and too slow to play most everything else. Mm-hmm. So it was, it was a way for me to stay involved in sports. And, I, you know, I grew up – as John said, in Massachusetts, when just when the Red Sox started getting good in 1967 and the Bruins started winning Stanley Cups in the early 70s and the Celtics obviously had been successful for so long and the Patriots were awful, but that's a different story back then. <laughs> um, My health times was, have changed. Right, exactly. And that was the atmosphere I grew up in. And, you know, I would read Bob Ryan and Peter Gammons, who started at the Boston Globe on the same day in 1968. I got to read them. I was, I guess, eight years old when they started there. So that's who I grew up reading, you know, Leslie Visser, Ray Fitzgerald, Will McDonough, all those great writers, and then listening to and watching Ken Coleman and, and Ned Martin call the Red Sox games and Johnny Most call the Celtics games and 
Don Earl and Bob Wilson and Fred Cusick through the Bruins. And, you know, when you're a sports fan and you get into that, and in the days before every single game was on TV, you know, most of us from my generation, we grew up listening to the to games at night when we were kids with the transistor radio under our pillow. But good luck finding a transistor radio now. <laughs> but, you know, some of these guys, the longer they spend doing their jobs, get very good at their jobs. And like anyone in almost any profession, you it's not that you want to be recognized, but I think it's a natural that you want to recognize greatness, people who have done something for a long time and done it that well. And you know, it was funny, the, the association was started by a local restaurant guy in Salisbury. He, he started with the North Carolina Sportscasters and Sports Writers Association. He died, and then a local doctor picked up the ball. The first banquet was held in April of 1960, so we're you know 50 plus years old, and you know we've been doing it every year, bringing people from all over the country come to you know little old Salisbury, which is a city about midway between Winston Salem and Charlotte, North Carolina. It's a city of about 30,000, but uh, you know it's not the uh, New York or Los Angeles. You know the ESPYs you're watching on TV right now, maybe with the big huge red carpets. You know we do our ceremony, our little banquet in a historic train depot. <laughs> and it's, I think some of the bigger guys, the Jim Nances and the Bob Costases and the Bob Ryan, they love coming because it's not that big, huge New York glitz and glamour. It is, it is kind of glamorous, but it's not to the extent where, you know, you've been there, done that so many times. And it's a real small town feel, and the people in Salisbury just welcome everybody uh, and make them feel special. And this past year, this past May, a couple months ago, you had Arnold Palmer at this year's event, right? Yeah, and, and we had no one to thank for that but Jim Nance, who uh, is wow. a great friend of NSSA. He's been the, the National Sportscaster of the Year five times now. And he, he told a great story the night of the, uh, the awards dinner. Uh, he has long uh, been a fan of Arnold Palmer, and they, and they knew each other. From their, you know, from Jim covering golf for so long, and he obviously grew to respect Arnold. And Arnold, you know, said he, he respects Jim as well. And uh, Jim said he got on the phone and called him up, and he said, "Arnie, I'd like to ask you something." And and Arnie said, "Well, we'll go ahead." And he said, "Well," and, and it's funny thinking of Jim Nance being shy about anything right. after 25 years on network TV. But he finally he said, "I'm going to get the National Sportscaster of the Year award in Salisbury in May." And Arnie said, "Well." Yes, and he said, would, would you present the award to me? And uh, as Jim told it, you know, Arnold Palmer has as busy a schedule as anybody on the face of the earth. And he didn't say to Nance, you know, let me check my schedule, you know, let me call you back. He said yes immediately, and I thought that was kind of neat. And, uh, you know, Arnold Palmer, who had actually been to the NSSA Awards back in the 60s and early 70s, I think, uh -huh. had been one, once or twice before, but... He actually said something that was I enjoyed hearing. He said, you know, I, I've come to be friends with a lot of you in the media. He said, I didn't always agree with you, but I've developed you know, some, some great friendships over the years. And when someone pointed out that Furman Bisher was there across the room, Arnie immediately got up from the table and walked over to Furman Bisher and gave him a hug, and they you know, exchanged pleasantries for a few minutes. So that was, that was a neat thing to see as well. Okay, and that, you it sound like y'all doing some outstanding things down there in North Carolina, Dave. And I'm going to reset for the listeners. We're talking with Dave Gorman, the executive director of National Sportscaster and Sports Writer Association out of North Carolina. And 
I have another question for you, Dave. Uh, yes, sir. Uh, we have a few more minutes for our second break here, but I wanted to ask you about Chris Berman. Uh, Chris Berman uh, has been what he has been since <laughs> I've been born since 1979, and now <laughs> he's the 2010 reception for the Pro Football Hall of Fame Pete Rozelle a radio TV television award. Uh, what has uh, Chris Berman brought to the sportscaster? Uh, he's not a sports writer, but more a sportscaster. What have he brought to the table, and what has he done to elevate the ESPN brand? Well, he was one of the first guys on at ESPN. He's been with them you know, ever since. He you know, he brought that enthusiasm, the having fun, the the references to music and you know, movies, and, and kind of kind of brought sportscasting, if you will, into the you know, first into the 80s and the 90s. It was kind of the hip thing with his, you know, his nicknames for people. And, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. and, you know, he didn't take it very seriously or overly seriously or didn't take himself seriously. I think, I think all of us in the business take what we do seriously. It's a, you know, most of us don't take ourselves seriously. And you know, he was certainly, uh, I would say, himself on the air, and that's – when people ask me, uh, you know, kids coming up or people who've just gotten their start in the business, it's like, what advice would you give? And I say the most important advice is be yourself. You can, you can watch Jim Nance and Chris Berman and Bob Costas, and, and you, know, you might take a little from each one, but in the end, you have to come through to the viewer because it's going to be you that they'll have to feel comfortable with if they're watching you every night or every weekend covering a golf tournament or doing baseball games or football games or hockey games, whatever. Yeah, that's some great advice because that's the same advice. You mentioned Jim Nance, and I met him. He's actually from Houston. He went to U of H, and Mm -hmm. he has homes here in Houston. I met him at the Super Bowl. Uh, They had a press conference. CBS Sports had a press conference uh, with their their team there, Jim Nance and uh, JB, uh, James Brown, and all all the other crew. And I had an opportunity to talk to him after the the set there, and he mentioned just be yourself, be yourself, and – kind of relax and your personality will come through the camera or through the microphone and radio. So uh, he's a great man as well as Chris Berman. Yes, and he, he's as down-to-earth as they come. And the, the point he made when he accepted his award in May was he has never cared about the fame or, quote-unquote, being on TV. He just likes to tell a story. And I think you'll find the most successful people, whether they're in TV or newspaper or radio or Internet radio, the most successful people are the ones who are able to convey a story and tell it well. Yes, I totally agree. Go ahead, John. You got one more question. We have about two minutes before we break. So go ahead, John. No, oh, okay. Well, I agree with that. I was. I've gotten to know Jim. He spoke at uh, the Fenway Park Writer Series up here in Boston, and uh, and I was at the same press conference with Lemont that day when uh, when Jim spoke to b- both of us, and he really is. Unique and as down-to-earth as anybody you'd ever want to find. But, Dave, my final question would just be, aside from the May Awards, uh, what other types of activities or awards uh, will the NSSA do during the course of a, of a given year? Well, that's one of the things. You know, I talked about the challenge of, of laying a foundation before we go out and ask companies for money. We need to do more events. Uh, we would like to get our banquet televised, even if it's tape-delayed. We would like to go into any city in the country and do... Uh, one-day sports summit where we do a media roundtable in the afternoon with 10 or 12 panelists, you know, sports media people, athletes, front office people, uh, and, and discuss serious issues in both sports and sports journalism, kind of raise the level of sports journalism, have that televised. 
uh, do a little reception and then do a scholarship and media recognition dinner that night. We can go into any city in the country and do that, um, but we need funding to do it. And that's, mm -hmm. as I said, the biggest challenge. But you know, we've put together what I think is a pretty good proposal, and it's, I think, very reasonable for any company that would want to get involved. Uh, and I, I think that, that would be a neat thing if you're a sports fan to go and see and or see on TV. It'll give us the opportunity to you know, award a scholarship wherever we go and then recognize media in the local market who might not be the national or state sportscaster or sports writer of the year. Yeah, definitely sound exciting, Dave. And uh, it's time for us to take another break. So I just want to thank you for taking time with your busy schedule this week to come come on tonight. And I know John is, is excited for you to be on the show as well. And if you need someone to come to the talk on the panel or you need some, some, some low-budget uh, analyst guys, John and I would be happy to come down there to North Carolina. First of all, there's no such thing as low budget, but oh. most importantly, John's a member. Lemont, we need you to be a member as well. I would definitely sign up as soon, soon as possible. All right. And, uh, you know, it was my pleasure to be on with you guys and uh, have fun the rest of the night. All right. Thank, thank you, you so much. All right. Take care, guys. All right. Thanks, John, Dave. it's time for us to take a break. When we come back, we'll go around the NFL with different storylines from this week. Next on Outside the Huddle with Lemont Wibbs and co-host John Inglesby on the Voice of American Sports Network. to the pros we, we, we cover everything let your voice be heard voice america sports we some hard hitters we some hard hitters hard hitting radio is a new kind of sports and entertainment show your hosts are nfl veterans mark mcmillan and co-host byron evans it's an hour of hater-free radio every week. You'll hear interviews with top athletes, celebrities, coaches, and fans. It's humor, hits, and conversation. Hard-hitting radio is on with McMillan and Evans. Listen Fridays at 3 p.m. Pacific Time, 6 p.m. Eastern Time on the Voice America Sports Network. Looking for a top show about horse racing and handicapping? Looking to play the ponies? Join us every week for Winning Ponies with Ed Meyer. This show is the perfect complement to the Winning Ponies website where you'll go inside and behind the scenes with the top jockeys, trainers, agents, and handicappers in the world of horse racing. Listen for top plays for the weekend in the spot play of the week and win prizes just for listening. Winning Ponies with Ed Meyer is live Thursdays at 5 p.m. Pacific, 8 p.m. Eastern on the Voice America Sports Network. Football and so much more is the focus of Planet Gridiron with Damian Anderson. Join the former Arizona Cardinals running back for a show that mixes, well, a little bit of everything. Damian brings to the program life experiences playing football and will talk about his variety of successes both on and off the field. The goal is to provide you with a fun perspective on life, family, success, and of course, football. Tune in to Planet Gridiron with Damian Anderson, Fridays at noon Pacific Time, 3 p.m. Eastern Time, on the Voice America Sports Channel. Your internet flagship station for sports, Voice America Sports.
Outside the Huddle with Lemont Williams and co-host John Inglesby. Want a piece of today's action? Call into the show right now at 1-888-346-9144. That's 888-346-9144. Or you can drop a line to Sports at yahoo.com. Now, let's get back to the show. Welcome back to Outside the Huddle with Lemont Williams and co-host John Inglesby on the Voice America Sports Network. John, it's the segment where we go around the NFL and talk about different storylines as well as headlines from this week and last week. And as we mentioned before, our last in our last segment before the break with our guest Dave Gorin about uh, different broadcasts and things of that nature, we talked about a guy. Well, I brought up a question to him about ESPN, Chris Berman, and again. Uh, we want to reiterate to our listeners out there, Chris Berman is the 2010 uh, Pro Football Hall of Fame Pete Rozelle Radio TV uh, Award winner. And uh, he's a six-time National Sportscaster of the Year. Um, he has a great resume. list goes on and on. Been with ESPN since 1979. John, you know, you know I met Chris Berman uh, in Miami, yeah, media day down at the, super, at the uh, stadium. You and I was there together. And um, I think he's a great pick for this award. I mean, you can't find anything negative to say about him as far as from the professional side. Uh, I don't know him personally, but I just know him mainly from the professional side. And uh, Pete Rozelle was a great guy, and it would be a great award to give to a great guy. Well, uh, he's very well-deserved uh, for getting receiving this honor. And, you know, there was a time when I can remember that uh, – NFL Primetime was the show that I most looked forward to each week to watch. You know, it'd come on at like 7.30 on Sunday nights, and, uh, you know, this was a little, you know, not, not that long ago, six, eight years ago, when it was didn't have all the competition. And, I mean, that, that was the go-to source for real pro football fans for both not only the recap of the day, but uh, most importantly, you know, Chris Berman's insight. I, I, I do believe that is his signature show beyond the early days at Sports Center and uh you know you know with the the music the nicknames of course those are his signatures and a, a few of his signature calls as well but you know my memory of Chris Berman uh was at a tournament this past September golf tournament pro am up here at the TPC in Norton the day before the Tiger Woods uh, Deutsche Bank Classic and Chris Berman was not having a good hole, and I mean, he was just hacking his way up the fairway, and uh, he was just so good-natured and interacting with the fans and, you know, just so easygoing about the whole thing, and this was in front of a fair amount of people. Let me And, uh, you know, I just, again, got to see kind of his personality shine through under what were really, trust me, difficult circumstances, so yeah, he's, uh, I think it's great. He's definitely a good guy, and we talked about his tenure. At ESPN being there from the creation or from the start since 1979 to now. Yep. And moving forward, let's talk about another guy that has a long tenure in the NFL, and that's or playing the NFL or, you know, just being involved with football, period. And that's Brett Favre. He, what, 20 seasons, going on 21 if he comes back. And Brett Favre was out last week doing his thing like he always does. He was out working out with high schoolers uh, this time of year, uh, throwing passes uh, with the high schoolers back uh, from his, uh, in Hattiesburg, Mississippi, where he's from. And, uh, John, it seems like Brett Favre's ankle surgery is, is going pretty well. Uh, 
what would you what would you what will be his timeline this summer? Do you think far as returning to Minnesota, or he might not return? I have absolutely no doubts that he will return. And by the way, he already has returned. I just saw him on the ESPYS no uh, ten fifteen minutes ago. So oh, okay, he, he's out in public again from Hattiesburg High School football fields right to uh, the red carpet in Los Angeles. <laughs> so suddenly, Brett is. Uh, is back amongst us, you might say. And, you know, he did have a surgery on his shoulder, and apparently he was throwing pretty well. I, again, I have no doubts whatsoever that he is returning. And I would expect him to come back, you know, midway, three-quarters of the way through training camp, hopefully with less fanfare than previous years. I'm hoping we don't need the helicopter this year. Yeah. But, but you know, he, he again, he had the surgery for a reason. Mm-hmm. And I think it's, uh, you know, to come back and after the year he had last year, uh, you know, save for the very last play, the interception. Well, well you, know, it's, you know, it's moving, trying to find a way to segue. And the only way I can say let's go from this current team or his team he has on hold to the second team that he had when he came back out of, I guess, semi-retirement or when he was forcing a, a trade, and that's the New York Jets. Um, Darrell Revis sent out a release this week about how he will not, uh, hold out. He will attend training camp and because he doesn't want to jeopardize his future guaranteed money. John, the Jets can buy back about two years of Reavers guaranteed $20 million. Uh, when this deal is all said and done, do you think uh, Reavers will become the highest-paid cornerback in the history of NBA, I mean NFL? Actually, Lemont, I do. I, I just think that uh... – you know, the, the the Jets have a lot going on this summer, and they're all of a sudden uh, starting to own the back pages again of uh, the New York papers. And, yeah, I mean, Darrell Revis, what he has done in uh, you know his short time in the league is, is just incredible. He's a shutdown corner, and I've seen him shut down a few Patriots and many others in his brief career. And, you know, the, the Jets, uh, they don't need this distraction. They're going to have plenty of distractions from all the – uh, high-profile personality, shall we say, yeah. that they've signed. But Darrell Revis is actually deserving of it. Yeah, I think it'll get done, and he's going to probably be the highest paid uh, at his position at cornerback. But uh, we have less than two minutes for our next break, John. Real quick, your home state and your team you grew up watching and loving, the Pittsburgh Steelers, uh, gave extension to Mike Tomlin uh, this past week and you know made him the third coach. And there, well, about 41 years since I can remember, but I gave him a contract extension. Uh, seems like we got 30 seconds for our break, so we'll break now, John. And when we come back, we'll pick this up, and I want to get your opinion on the contract extension of Tom, Mike Tomlin. Okay? Very good, Lemont. Okay, John. We're going to take a break now. When we come back, we'll continue talking to NFL as well as talking about LeBron James. Next on Outside the Huddle, we'll leave my Williams and co-host. John Inglesby. On the Voice America Sports Network. to the pros we we cover everything let your voice be heard voice america sports 
Are you a real sports fan? Get ready to talk football and anything else sports with Kwame Lasseter, formerly with the Arizona Cardinals, San Diego Chargers, and St. Louis Rams. Kwame's got the experience, so he's prepared to talk sports with you every week on Kwame Lasseter's Sports Talk. It's on the Voice America Sports Network every Tuesday at 9 a.m. Pacific Time, noon Eastern Time. Get ready for unpredictable fun and sometimes a sarcastic look at the world of sports. That's Kwame Lasseter's Sports Talk on the Voice America Sports Network. The Sports Mavericks show redefines the elite athlete by bridging the gap between parents, athletes, and the community. Host Ida Moyer, a.k.a. the Oprah of sports, brings to the Voice America Network original programming, balancing the pursuit of academic excellence and sports participation. The Sports Mavericks show airs every Tuesday evening at 5 p.m. Pacific Standard Time, 8 p.m. Eastern Standard Time on the Voice America Sports Channel. Listeners will be engaged in straightforward talk, spontaneous and unscripted by the experts. Ida and her guests will explore the challenges of success and failure in sports and will help athletes and their parents navigate the transition from high school, college, and then on to the pros. We put fun back into sports and recognize role models in sports through our Sports Mavericks All-Star Award program. Tune in Tuesday evenings at 5 p.m. Pacific Standard Time with Ida Mouillet and the Sports Mavericks Show right here on The Voice. Voice America Sports Channel. It's football, pop culture, and everything in between. Get ready for the game plan with Anthony Heron, a.k.a. Big Ant. Anthony has a background in college and professional football and brings the player, coach, and broadcaster perspective to this weekly roundup of the top sports news and events. Big Ant wants to hear from you, too. Tune in to the game plan with Anthony Heron every Tuesday afternoon at 5 p.m. Eastern Time, 2 p.m. Pacific time on the voice america sports channel it's game time your internet flagship station for sports voice america sports you're outside the huddle with lemont williams and co-host john inglesby Want a piece of today's action? Call into the show right now at 1-888-346-9144. That's 888-346-9144. Or you can drop a line to Sports at yahoo.com. Now, let's get back to the show. Welcome back to Outside the Huddle with Lemont Williams and co-host John Inglesby. On the Voice America Sports Network. John, real quick, we before our last break, we were talking about NFL, and I brought up to you about your native state, Pennsylvania uh, team, uh, the Pittsburgh Steelers, and they gave Mike Tomlin a contract extension, a three-year contract extension. I want to get your opinion on that. Uh, uh, how do you feel about this new extension for Mike Tomlin? Well, I think it's terrific uh, for him to succeed you know bill cower and before that uh chuck knoll to be only the third coach in the past 41 or so years for the steelers uh you know and to do that with winning a super bowl in his second year is nothing short of remarkable it's in my mind uh especially since he had to you know get the job above ken wiesenhunt and russ Grimm, who were already embedded there so i mean he's an impressive guy i sat with him 
at the NFC Coaches Breakfast at the owners' meetings this past March in Orlando, and I was very impressed. He's very as intense at the breakfast table as he is on the field, and but also very friendly, affable, and, you know, looked right in his eyes, could not have been more impressed, had a nice conversation with him, so... I'm glad they signed him. I think he's the right guy for that team and that city. Yeah, I agree with all the above that you stated. And also, Mike Tomlin, for a lot of our listeners, he's from my hometown, the Hampton Rolls area in Virginia. I think he grew up in Hampton slash Newport News, Virginia. So uh, he's a great guy, a great, intense guy, and bring a lot of intensity to the field. He's, he doesn't hesitate to speak what's on his mind. But I, I, I looked at it from this standpoint. When he signed that extension, I felt like now – this team is his team. Uh, what, you know, what I'm trying to say or what I'm trying to put is that with all the off-season issues, uh, Ben Roethlisberger, uh, um, um, Santana Malls, not Santana, Santana Holmes going to the Jets, and the Ben being out for a couple of games, now he's he's able to put a stamp on the team. He kind of rolled into the team from uh, Bill Coward, uh, glory days, and kind of took it over and kind of controlled that ship and just led it in the right direction. But now... Well, this extension is his team, in my opinion. I think he should be able to, when Ben comes back, it's going to be a different-looking team uh, compared to when Ben was there before. And I just feel like this extension only solidifies that, and the ownership, Andy Rooney and company, is looking at this guy to kind of change the culture uh, from this offseason as well as uh, going into this season and hopefully get another ring, so Super Bowl ring. So I think Mike Tomlin will do a great job there in Pennsylvania especially Pittsburgh. So uh, good job, Mike, for getting a contract extension. Uh, let's try to find a way to segue into the NBA. we got a couple of minutes here before we wrap up the show, John. And last Thursday was D-Day. Uh, it was the decision, as they was calling it on ESPN. And LeBron James, King James, was able to make his decision, ending a lot of speculations for the two-time MVP. He decided to join the Miami Heat with Chris Bosh and Dwayne Wade down in Miami and ended his seven-year run in Cleveland. John, what was your thoughts on King James' decision? Well, I think uh, it represents uh, on a couple of different levels, you know, new ground, a new era, if you will. Uh, uh, number one, the fact he, he had an hour-long special to announce his decision, and he's really the first to do that. And number two would be that uh, it seems like the players are now assuming or exerting control over the league. It's like they are calling the shots. And, you know, it, it may not be true, but it certainly is starting to give that appearance with what, the way, again, LeBron orchestrated this show. Now, if that's the case, this would indeed be, you know, uh, something we, you know, we would look back on in future years and say that that's when it all changed, both with the show and again the players, uh, again seemingly in control the way that apparently, you know, Dwayne Wade, Chris Bosh, and LeBron had to plan this, you know, uh, and I'm not saying that in a negative way, just that you know, they were able to get, you know, as players orchestrate you know, what, the, what they had planned, and, you know, more power to them, but it may not, you know, it may signal a change for uh, 
for the NBA and for other sports as well. So Bears yeah, it, watching. It, it definitely was, a, in my opinion, it, this whole decision thing on ESPN, it was, it was more about power, and you stated that you, uh, it feels like the, the players are, 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 are taking over the league. And that's, it's a twofold, twofold on that, in my opinion. Uh, David Stern kind of embraced that culture. He embraced the individual uh, players. It's more players, more about guys. Like, you know, I heard a great guy say last week, in the NBA it's more about the name on the back of the jersey, whereas in the NFL it's more about the name on the front of the jersey, which is so, so true. NBA promotes players. It's always LeBron and the Cleveland Cavaliers, or it's always Kobe and the L.A. Lakers. And with that being said, um, King James or LeBron James recognizes status. He recognizes his position. And we get on a lot of players on this show as well as in public or other media outlets, get on players or not taking advantage of their or their status. They're not taking advantage of where they stand. Only guys like Michael Jordan and other guys, Charles Barkley, was able to capitalize on that, Magic Johnson. But LeBron was able to leverage that situation and and, and, and choose to do the best thing that he felt that was right for him. And, you know, and it kind of I'm rolling to with two minutes left before we wrap up the show. I want to get your opinion on David Gil, I mean, uh, Dan Gilbert, his owner, kind of taking shots at LeBron a little bit, saying he's quit. he quitted on the – the playoffs, but I want to get your opinion on that. You think? Uh, give me your take. Just give me. Wh- wh- what did you think when you when you read or you heard about Dan Gilbert's comments to LeBron James? I was shocked uh, that he would do that. Uh, you know, I'm sure there was. It just sounded like uh, someone wrote it in a rage, and you know how, you know, his associates and or or PR people could not have uh, intercepted that is. Uh, on one hand, understandable, but, uh, you know, somewhat hard to believe. You know, if indeed the players are, you know, gaining control, Dan Gilbert's a good, good example of an owner who's not ready to give it up yet. Uh, <laughs> but Dan Gilbert, uh, you know, created LeBron James. Exactly. He, yeah, more than right any on, single yeah. person, allowed LeBron James to put Dan Gilbert in that position, you know, uh meaning he coddled him and, and mm-hmm. basically, you know, most recently got rid of the coach and got rid of the GM. I mean, what more can you do? Yeah, you're absolutely right. He enabled LeBron James. Yes. Enabled LeBron James. He enabled his, his, his entourage. Yep. Enabled everybody that was associated with LeBron James, and he kind of got, I think it was more personal, more he was more offended, I think. Yep. I also think as well that he he thought he can handle the situation. He thought that Le, at the end of the day he's probably telling his shareholders or whoever, invest in Cleveland that I got this under control he's my guy and I'm gonna bring him back so uh he he realized real fast that he didn't have control of LeBron or the LeBron brand so uh that those comments was kind of out of rage and it's kind of out of line in my opinion and I think we're both on the same page with that but we have a minute left John before we wrap the show so I guess it's time for us to thank our listeners for tuning in each and every week I want to thank you all for listening to Outside the Huddle with Lee Mott Williams and co-host John Inglesby have a blessed week, and remember, sports plus business equals wealth. Thanks for joining Outside the Huddle with Lemont Williams and co-host John Inglesby. 
We're back next week for another live show, Wednesday at 5 p.m. Pacific, 7 p.m. Central, and 8 p.m. Eastern Time. Check back with us on the Voice America Sports Channel. Thanks again for listening to the preceding program brought to you on the Voice America Sports Channel. For more information about our network and to check out additional show hosts and topics of interest, please visit voiceamericasports.com. The Voice America Talk Radio Network is the worldwide leader in live Internet talk radio. Visit voiceamerica.com. The views and ideas expressed on the preceding program are strictly those of the hosts or guests and do not necessarily reflect the views and ideas held by Voice America Talk Radio Network, its staff, and management.